Hi, Sally. Hi, Gabby. We had a live before this podcast was even a glimmer in our little eyes. True. And on that live, we talked about our favorite albums of 2023. Yeah, that was the last one we did. Now that it is actually almost the end of the year, I thought it might be nice to talk about everyone's albums of the year now that all of the real important music critics yeah, the real have important said, ones have said what they wanted to say. And we can list out our, our albums again and I'll put them mm-hmm. in the show notes and blah, blah. But the thing I wanted to talk about primarily was what actually made most of the lists and what we think about that. And if it was as expected. Right. And, you know, as you know, this isn't even really something that I personally follow or ever have. Yes. Which is exciting for me because for me, it's kind of like the happiest time of the year. This is, I was going to (laughs) say, this is my Christmas. And then I was like, wait, this is actually kind of Christmas time. But as a non-celebrator of Christmas, this is my Christmas. Yeah. This is totally new for me because I, well, first of all, I don't really pay any attention to any of the mainstream music outlets. And I'm I'm always like looking for music all year in the weirdest places that like I'm always finding stuff that there's no way that it would ever be on an end of year list. Um, Yeah. So I have no idea what the fuck is going on. We'll, we'll have a different episode probably about how we find music and where you can find music, whether it's what literally all of the other critics are listening to or completely random shit that no one's ever heard of. Um, So we can talk about that another time, but I am going to regale you with the glory that is all of the bullshit indie critics. Yeah. <laughs> and the album of the year. Uh, I think it's, is it.com? Is it.org? I don't even know. AOTY and their music end of year list aggregator. Mm-hmm. So we can see what the rest of the world thinks. Yes. Especially because I thought 2023 was not the strongest year for music. You disagree. You disagree. Well, I think that this was a really good year for new music, but we were listening to different stuff and finding things in different ways. So to your point, you listen to not necessarily what the rest of the like standard indie rock Mm -hmm. critics are already loving. Yeah. So they're not necessarily albums that are reviewed frequently yeah or or listened to a lot or (laughs) at all (laughs) so I always think there's always kind of the albums that I I almost said they're like industry plant albums which isn't fair Sure, I understand what you're saying like they come out and you know immediately (laughs) this is going to be the darling of the year there are always a handful of albums like that and they're going to be on all the lists if you're not reviewing that stuff if you're not listening to that stuff if you have other stuff and it doesn't show up on any list, then, you know, the world's your oyster. <laughs> and it could be an amazing year for music. Mm-hmm. The main reason that I have heard any of these is because of you. Oh. <laughs> Otherwise, I, I don't, I, I'm not sure that I would have even known, because I really don't pay attention. It's not even like I'm actively trying to ignore right, certain right. things, like mainstream, like main, quote unquote mainstream, like indie stuff it's not even like I'm trying to ignore it I just like don't even know about it well then this is actually kind of perfect then Mm -hmm. a perfect way to explore what I think is like a bullshit institution in so many ways yeah even just the concept of ranking albums when there are thousands and thousands that come out every year no one has listened to all of them there's only so much time in the day and to declare a best hilarious I think it is hilarious I also think that it's um a relic from a bygone era 
too. Of course. Because we'll just say 20 years ago, just to be like effective in this assessment, but 20 years ago, these lists, they really were a stronger indicator of what people really were listening to because people were actually paying attention to a lot of these publications and getting their information and taste and cultural signals from a lot of these places. And that's just like not as much the case. Right. When journalism wasn't dead. Yeah. When journalism wasn't dead. (laughs) Part of it is because, you know, these publications have ruined their own credibility. Yeah. Like, let's be real. You know, like they fuck things up for themselves and people don't trust them as much anymore. Anyway, well, all that ranting to do. Oh yeah, there's a lot of ranting to be done. There's so many tangents to go on. Yeah. All that said, I'm gonna go about this kind of backwards. Okay. Because there's two different lists I think we want to pay attention to. Yeah. One is what are the top rated albums of the year? Again, mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna go just by that website, albumoftheyear.org. There's yeah. a distinction between that and the end of year list because sure. the rating is the score usually out of 10 or like a letter grade mm-hmm. that that album gets at the time that the album is released. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. I get it. Now, the other list is what we're all looking at now. All of these mm-hmm. publications are putting out their whatever, top 10, top 20, top 50 lists, Mm -hmm. those aren't necessarily the highest rated albums because an album could have rated a 10 out of 10 at the time of release by that same publication and for Mm -hmm. some reason have been omitted from their top 10 or top 50 or whatever list Mm. for, I have no idea what reason, but Mm. I don't think that usually happens. Yeah. But it can. This is getting so confusing to me. I know. What the hell's going on? (laughs) (laughs) So let's first talk about, and I'll try to make this quick. Okay. (laughs) The highest rated albums of 2023 Mm -hmm. from Album of the Year. So this is the albums that at the time of their release Mm. in aggregate had the highest scores by whoever reviewed them. And I filtered it out by albums that have more than 10 reviews total. Okay. Oh, Not I to see. say that they're not <laughs> necessarily deserving. It's just a little, it's like these 10 albums each had one review each and they are the album of the year. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's like, okay, all right, let's get a little more objective, but it's very funny to me. So filtering out albums that had um, 10 or fewer reviews, mm-hmm. here's where we're at. Okay. Corinne Bel- Bailey Ray is the best album based on rankings. Oh. Scores, mm-hmm. scores. Mm-hmm. Next, Sufjan Stevens, number two. Mitski's number three. Okay. Boy Genius is number four. Mm-hmm. Your Best Friend and Mine, Kalachek, is number five. Mm-hmm. <laughs> number six is Samfa. Seven is Billy Woods and Kenny Siegel. Okay, I actually have heard that. You have? Yeah. Eight is also Billy Woods. It's Arm and Hammer. Uh-huh. Nine is JPEG Mafia. Mm-hmm. And 10 is Foo Fighters. Wait, what? Wait, what? Mm-hmm. Do you have any comments before I move on? Well, my first comment is fuck. Mm-hmm, 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 because mm-hmm. I um, I haven't heard any of these. That's not true. Well, we have discussed some of them in depth. No, I mean, I've, <laughs> I haven't heard many of them, I should say. Sure. Sure. I think you know who all of them are. I know who all of them are, but like Karim Bailey Ray, I definitely did not listen to that record at all. 
it's a weird one. It's not what you expect. We can I can explain it yeah. very briefly if you like. Yeah. You know who she is. Uh, yeah, she's I do. the put your records on girly. Mm-hmm. That album is nothing like that. I kind of she went figured. nuts. I mean in a good way, in a good way. Mm-hmm. This album's kind of unhinged in that every song sounds like it belongs on a completely different album. Okay. So she has some like jazz on it and then she goes like full like indie sleaze like there's a song mm. on it that sounds like it belongs on a yeah yeah yeah's album interesting like total runs the gamut like she's like really going for it yeah. and so each song is executed really really well for whatever that genre is mm-hmm. to me it sounded completely disjointed <sighs> Like, why is this an album? These, It's like, wow, you're really showing your range. This is incredible. Right. Why is this an album? Like, great concept for whatever, how many of you, let's say there are 15 tracks, I don't remember. Yeah. Great concept, proof of concept of 15 different albums. Mm-hmm. Totally. You know? Um, but I get why it was scored so highly, I guess. Because of the range, would you say? or That's my theory, yes. Yeah. Okay. Having not actually sat down to read the reviews. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure that you or Joe or somebody had like mentioned the record and I was like, I'm not going to listen to that. Oh, no, that's totally fair. <laughs> you know, like, why would I? No, it's... I don't think there's anything there for me, but maybe there is, you know? Sure. Wait, what's number two? Sufjan Stevens. There's no way I was ever going to listen to that. And I totally understand why. <laughs> I mean, it's it is a Sufjan Stevens record. Yeah, that is what I can tell you about it. I never liked and him. And if you don't like him, you will not like this record. Yeah. And if you love him, you will love this record. That's yeah. that's about all I will say about it. Mm-hmm. What was number three again? Uh, Mitski. Oh right. We kind of talked about her. I, I listened to this yeah. a few times. I I, I really like Mitski actually, mm-hmm. but I don't see anything better about this one than any. I mean, I'm not moved. This sure. didn't make my list. Yeah, it's, it's perfectly good. But I didn't listen to it. I heard the singles. Sure. Yeah. They didn't stand out to me. I know everyone's obsessed. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's fine. fine. <laughs> uh, then we get to Boy Genius. I think we, maybe we know, do you know my feelings on Boy Genius? You um, can guess them. <laughs> I, you didn't like this record. I liked the a couple record. of, yeah, the record. I think it, you know, I like Lucy Dacus. I like Julian mm-hmm. Baker. Phoebe Bridgers mm-hmm. is overrated to an insane degree. And every time you get to a track that is written by Phoebe Bridgers, it is very obvious. Yeah. So every time I'd be like, huh, no, this is good. I'd be like, oh, okay, this is a Phoebe, like, <laughs> Phoebe Bridgers track. Um, I've never heard Julian Baker, so I don't even know, like, I couldn't tell when she was singing. <laughs> <laughs> I can see that. So my quote unquote review for the record was basically like, I didn't listen to it because I don't want to. Yeah. But yeah. I did actually just actually listen to it. And? And I kind of, I feel like I need to unpack this with you a little bit because what I can say is that, you know, what I said last week about the indie girlies just kind of sounding kind of like praise and worship music Mm -hmm. to me and like, just like feeling like it's pretty boring. Like all of that still stands, but it was better than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. There's a lot worthwhile on that, on the record. Yeah. There certainly is. Just it, it is another record where I knew going into it in advance. There's going to be a lot of hype. So, so, so hyped. And I, well, no, I get why it appeals deeply to like a certain like emotional and like stage of life. Sure. And I get it. And I right. get it. 
I think I'm past that. For sure. That was one of the bigger takeaways for me when I was listening to it where I just, I've been thinking about this a lot this year because there's so much, there's so many indie girlies who's like basically their content is like, they all kind of like write about the same stuff. Sure. Mm -hmm. You know, and I'm just like, dude, like what the fuck? But what I can say after listening to that record was, oh, there are just like a lot of songs basically like about breakups and about probably boys. And I don't get anything about out of like listening to music about those things as much anymore because it just like doesn't matter to me. I wouldn't say that it deserved to be on like, you know, best albums of the year list at all, personally. Well, hold that thought. Okay. So after Boy Genius, we got... I'm all mm-hmm. checked out. I cannot speak about her anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've already talked about her like two deaths. Two deaths. Yeah. Um, Samfa. I don't know. I don't know Samfa. I barely do. I know it's like more R and B, which is definitely mm-hmm. not my milieu. <laughs> yeah. Um, I learned this year that I'm actually really not into Mm R&B. I never like processed it before, but this year I was like, oh yeah, I don't, I'm not, I'm not anti. No, I'm not anti, but it's like, it's too, too much vibes for me personally. Yes. (laughs) I'm like, I don't need this many vibes. Yeah. I don't know what, like, what am I supposed to do to this? Um, I already have music that I smoke weed to. Is there anything else? Right. What else? (laughs) It's one of those genres where like, it has to be a certain kind of Mm R&B, like more into the soul. Soul, um, right? Same. Otherwise, it's hard for me to assess it because I don't have the vocabulary for it, and yeah. that's all it is to it. And then, like I said, Billy Woods, Kenny mm-hmm. Siegel, and then Armin Hammer, which is also yeah. Billy Woods. So he's really he. This is was his year. I mean, but also last this year was, was his year. year. <laughs> he oh. had two records last year. I feel like that's like he's great. He's really I prolific. liked. I liked both of them. Yeah, me too. I like um, both of those records. I liked Armin Hammer better. Um, mm, by diabetic yeah. strep, test strips, excuse me. Um, and then Peggy and then Foo Fighters. So right. happy to see well, Peggy on such so high rated. Yeah, um, we love Peggy. Foo Fighters, we talked about this too. I mean, dude, like I haven't listened to a Foo Fighters record literally since the first one. Yeah. I mean, like that one is good. And then all of the other ones, like I tried last week, I think I tried to listen to The Color and the Shape, their second record. And I was, <laughs> and I was like, this is so dumb. Like I'm never going to listen to any actually, other Foo Fighters record. I did listen to this record and I do not remember it. I just don't. Yeah. I'm sorry. And that doesn't mean it was bad. They know that they have a formula. Like right. they know they do. So to say that it's formulaic is it's whatever. It's just like they right. know that already. I didn't listen to it, but I can guarantee that I know exactly what the fuck it sounds yeah, like. You do. You do. You know? Yeah. They We're going to get shit for this, but. I don't care, dude. I don't if care you, either. If you're going to give a shit about this, come at me. I will physically fight you. Yeah. Sally will physically fight you <laughs> and you will. I was going to say you will lose. I don't know. Sally's kind of small, but mighty. Yeah, I don't know either. It doesn't matter. I'm tiny, but like whatever. Like when has there been whatever? I'm just going to say like, why do people even still listen to Foo Fighters? Because of nostalgia. It's nostalgia, it's but nostalgia. only the first record was actually good. Maybe maybe if you want to stretch it, the second one was good. Sure. Everything after that, it's like, why the fuck are they still making records? I don't know, buddy. I don't know. Like, start another project, for real. Like, whoever's in that band right now, just start another project at at bare minimum. Just, like, do something I don't, else. I don't know. It's a whack gig, dude. Agree, agree, agree. 
This is my opinion. I don't care what anybody else thinks. And this is not Gabby's opinion. And if you want to fight somebody, you can fight me about it. Okay. Okay. And they will. All right. So based on that list, remember, those are the highest rated albums. Mm -hmm. Do you have any thoughts on who ended up most often on end of year lists? So far, there are 90 lists that album of the year is pulling from. Mm. And they assign scores based on how many times a certain record has appeared in the number one spot, the number two Mm. spot, three, Mm. and those scores are pulled together and then, you know, flipped and turned around and reversed and blah, blah. This is my Christmas. I don't have to do the math. I just look at what is (laughs) on the actual list, right? And then what is spit out is is the final, like, list. So based Um, on that. Based on that, I would say that Boy Genius, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. check, um, Peggy and Mitski. I don't know. So Boy Genius is number one by a long so shot, weird. number one. So Boy Genius appears on eight lists as number one. What were these people? Were they just like not listening to other like, stuff? Perhaps. Other stuff? Perhaps. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Check, I expected. Well, actually, yeah. both Boy Genius and Carol Check, I absolutely expected to like crush everything else. Mm-hmm. Carol Check is number two. She's in first mm-hmm. place on five lists. Yeah. Olivia Rodrigo after that on four lists. I liked I liked that record. Me too. Me too. I thought it was really fun. I didn't think I was going to like it, but I did. A it's lot. just, there's, it's like fully unobjectionable, like 90s inspired rock. And pop. And pop. Yeah. Uh, like very near to that is Lana Del Rey. I did not Mm. listen to Lana. I did. Tell me. I liked that record. This year I realized how prolific Lana is. Like she's got like 300 albums. Yeah. yeah. When did she do that? Like it went completely under my radar. I mean, I don't know. She's still, it's like, how, how do you have so many fucking records? This one, I thought it had some standout songs for sure. Norman fucking Rockwell is like, that's my crier. Mm. That's the one that I listen to and cry to like uncontrollably still. I just somehow never broke through on lot. Like I tried. Yeah. I think. I don't know. I mean, what I can say is that she has so much material that if you're willing to put the time in, you right. can find your gateway yeah, album or song sense. or whatever. Um, and it was Ultra Violence for me was the one that like before I had heard it, I had I read an article about the production process and like, you know, all the things. And it just sounded like a cool process. And so I wanted to check that one out. And the songs I thought were some of the songs especially were like really good. I wouldn't say that it would be in, in my any of my top lists and it wasn't. But I thought it was like good enough, you know. Well, four lists had her at number one. And that's kind of where we break down because after that, the next on the list is Sufjan, mm. but he only had one first place. Mm-hmm. And then Mitski, who had no first places. I but see. then we skipped to Wednesday, lower on the overall, but had three first place. Yeah. What that means is that they ended up on fewer lists, but on the list they were in, they were higher. Got it. Mm. Confusing. Yeah, that's confusing. And then Billy Woods and Kenny Seagull, mm-hmm. no first places. Yeah. Peggy, I'll, I'll jump down. Peggy, one first place, but like this is already number 13. I know. I, I would have, I definitely would have put him because the ones in between, we've got Young Fathers, Jesse Ware, Kalella, and PJ Harvey, but like I would have put Peggy above like all of those. Same. 
these people are crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Notice complete absence of like Corimbelli Ray. Um, and I think Foo Fighters, they're probably on here somewhere, but maybe not. And Armin Hammer, 44. So good, like high ranking doesn't mean too, too much. Mm-hmm. This is always the case. I just wanted to. <laughs> yeah, I'm starting to understand. Yeah. Walk you through how that goes, which is always fun. What I thought was kind of fun, for instance, is that SZA, whose album came out in 2022. Oh, right. At the end of 2022. Yeah, like December, I want to say. Like really, which is after the cutoff. I think you know this, but for anyone who also doesn't check these lists or doesn't think about it, end of year lists, magazines start publishing them in November. And so they start writing them in October. Sometimes they're published at the end of October. So if you put a record out in November and December, you're kind of boned. I mean, and that would make sense why it carried over into the next sure. year, yes. I guess. Because I was I was thinking about some of the records that came out later in the year that I, I would have put on a list over some of the things that yeah. were on the list that I saw. Yeah. Like, I really love that um, Pink Panthers record, oh, which just yeah. came out. It's like, it's so good. It has so many great songs on it. And like, actually fully, fully developed songs that are like longer than 45 seconds, <laughs> you know, like it's, it's like a real album. And I thought it was, I, I thought it was like pretty high quality. I would have put that on there, but it came out, um, well, last month sometime. Yeah, like after we November. last talked about this, I think, yeah. which was in November sometime. Yeah. But yeah, it's just a kind of an unspoken rule that records don't come mm. out kind of late November onwards or even earlier. They don't make it on the list. Yeah. Yeah. So if you want consideration for these lists, typically it's just like too bad. I mean, and so much of that really, it's like certain artists are, uh, I'll put it this way and I don't want to get too like inside baseball, right? Because I don't think that's going to be like interesting for people. But, you know, for artists that are on labels, they have, they set the release schedule. So obviously it's like if Olivia Rodrigo and Pink Panthers are on the same label. Yeah. They're obviously going to prioritize releasing Olivia's mm-hmm, record mm-hmm. like way months before Pink Panthers because like of there's course. so many resources behind like maintaining maintaining the financial position that that label has like associated with a certain artist versus like taking a chance on somebody else. Right. You know, so it's like you want you want the the higher ranking, higher rating artists to kind of like stay in their position. And so they get the priority on the release schedule. And then everybody else like just their their shit just gets like put out later. And that doesn't and that's not taking to into account like independent artists who aren't thinking about that stuff in a way like because at first when we were talking about I hadn't even really like thought about that. And in a way, it's kind of cool that they're taking the end of the year albums and giving them a chance. Yeah, giving them a chance. I think I think that that is actually probably a good. You know, practice. I agree with you because I've always you know. complained. I feel like I'm just going to complain about anything at this point because <laughs> a lot of people. I'm always complaining about how about what I just told you mm. that you know there's a cutoff and then anything that right. comes out, it's like, oh, okay, this is just in a void. Totally. But then as soon as Pitchfork put um, that album at the top, I was like, well, what the hell, Pitchfork? This <laughs> album didn't even come out this year. So like literally I cannot I cannot be satisfied. Yeah. Like, you cannot make me happy. <laughs> so to your point, that's mm. actually maybe not, <laughs> it's not a bad, bad as, thing. Yeah. Yeah, I think except that I don't think that album is. I mean, it's it's a good album, but I Mm -hmm. don't get why it's. But I, I I just don't listen. There's, I just find a lot of these 
so-called number one records to be confusing choices. Well, I mean, that's what I was saying earlier, where it's just like, what the hell were, were these people listening to this year that these are the number one records, you know? And it's like, again, and we may cut this because this is like kind of inside baseball and this I'm is just us having a conversation. But like... The thing to keep in mind is that like a lot of these lists, especially now, they're not based on like merit and they probably never really have been, but even more now than ever before, where it's like it's part of the PR budget according to what their needs are. Basically, you know, and it's like I people are people are talking a lot more in the last couple of years about like payola mm. and industry plants is like, I mean, that's a buzzword and everything, you know, yes. to be real and clear. It's not as if it's a new mechanism in the music industry, you know, sure. but it's a lot more transparent now because like I was saying before, people are not dependent on these institutions to give them all of their information about like who their like darlings should be. Right. And so, right. you know, I feel like I, the veil has just been kind of sliced and listeners are starting to realize that a lot of the stuff is bullshit. And it's like, if you go on music, Twitter, everybody's always accusing everybody that's charting of, of like, being industry <laughs> they're just like, yeah. oh, fucking industry plant. Like this is payola. Like anytime anybody like charts <sighs> at all. And to be honest, like I mean, I maybe I they think are it plays a pretty significant role, and that is the reason why. Personally, I don't think that the charts and, and lists are worth much, you know, because it's just such an like so, it's such an arbitrary. It is fully arbitrary. I I think they are useful, but potentially not in aggregate. Sure. Which is exactly how I've presented it to you now, because it is simply because it's fun for me, mm. because I it's a in I don't know it's like a foolishly enjoyable exercise, partially because I like after I pull my list together to weirdly like I don't know Compare. validate it yeah. against <laughs> the list and be like you are wrong how <laughs> dare you, um, or oh no I got it wrong <laughs> and then be like wait a second wait a second it's the children who are wrong, um, but. <laughs> <laughs> but really, there's still some merit to this one. It's like, I do learn about a lot of artists still through these channels, mm. like being honest. Mm. I still use these aggregators or even certain just websites to find out, like, here are the hotly tipped artists that are coming out with albums this week. Like, maybe you should listen to them. Mm. Like, okay, maybe I will. Maybe I'll like something. And yeah. that has worked out for me. Yeah. But also, if you happen to stumble on a particular magazine or one specific critic whose tastes you align with, mm. then you've kind of hit the jackpot. Yeah, that's true. Because then you can just follow them right. or however many. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, I always recommend finding a couple of people or, or magazines mm-hmm. with a, a specific taste, like maybe this person likes a lot of this particular genre right. you like and, you know, and look to them for recommendations. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Instead of a big aggregator, which will focus on these potentially plants or like just the obvious, like, you know, we knew, yeah. we knew, okay, boy genius and check and then like you and me perhaps because baratalia for instance whom we both loved, loved. still love still love so much did not make it on these lists. got a tiny honorable mention on these aggregators yeah and otherwise was completely overlooked definitely didn't make number one on anyone's list no no and I th- it was number one for you and number two for me right yeah 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 <sighs> I feel like that record <laughs> as a label debut, Tracy Denham, 
they should have gotten more credit for like blowing people's minds than they did, I think, you know? Yep. Because it's it's like that album is an album that I really think like has a potential to really be an institution and be a classic, you know, more so than than these other things that are just like they're just trying to hit these like very vague kind of like non-artistic like cultural mm-hmm. metrics that I it's like I don't even really know what they are you know just kind of like maintaining yeah it's like maintaining a certain like status quo expectation to some degree and giving people like more more of what they think they want but Mm -hmm. Tracy Denham was a record that actually has so much artistic and musical merit you know I mean you and I we've been listening to music for a long time and we we like it we love it but like for a younger kid like that record could fucking change somebody's life yeah, it you really know? feels like a classic and it is yeah. fascinating, I think, for an album that ultimately, for, and for a style of music that ultimately, it's it's not experimental, it's not particularly no. challenging. It's a classic. I, ju- I just saw them play live and- Yeah, so jealous. Like, <laughs> what I can say about like seeing them play live, first of all, you can tell that they still really love playing these songs, which right. is like major, you know, <laughs> for like yeah. a band that's that's on tour like overseas, not yeah. to be like exhausted and like jaded <laughs> seeming like they like you can tell that they really love playing these songs. And second of all, it's like they're the songs are they're basically pop songs, you know? Oh, absolutely. It's it's totally accessible. I think. Yes. Yes. You know, for a quote unquote indie record, you know, but it's like in what the, what indie means has skewed so um, moderate yeah. lately or not lately, but in the last 15 years, you know, it's like skewed so much into D- Disney music basically is what I call it. You know, <laughs> like it's just like real, like dumb, dumb shit, you know, yeah. no offense to anybody, but it's like not challenging at right. all. Which isn't again, this music isn't challenging either, but it is thoughtful. Yeah, it's, it's thoughtful, thoughtful. Exactly. It's like it's not challenging, but like the artistic. Merit. It's not experimental, but there is, uh, which doesn't it doesn't, it doesn't have, have to be. be. It absolutely. You can tell that there's like it, real musicality and like real thought yes. put into the songs. It's not just like we, we're yes. in a in a room full of writers that know that like these chords sound a certain way together and good right after you know the yeah and it's like it's it doesn't have that kind of energy about it where it's like this is a real band that really wrote these songs and really writes songs Instead, we're just ranting we're today. ranting today but <laughs> well okay no let's let's backtrack because i have a question for you sure what was your personal criteria for putting together your top 10 list for this year <sighs> that's always such a difficult question because you think it would be well, what albums did I personally rate the highest? Mm-hmm. Um, I was just making fun of everyone else <laughs> for potentially not including the highest ranked albums on their end of year. Yeah, I didn't necessarily include my highest ranked albums on the end of year oh. because one, I have a really hard time ranking albums. Sure. Um, what I think has potentially the most artistic merit or sounds the best, like mm. I, it's very hard for me to be object. Well, how can anyone be objective? Whatever. Mm. I overthink this stuff, but also I try really hard to think, will the score stand the test of time? I see. Like if I rate this, whatever, mm-hmm. pick a score, doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And then come back in five years. Mm. Will that stand up? Sure. I get that. I hadn't thought about that. When you listen to as many records as we do, I I really want to listen 
to record at least three times before yeah. I give it a score. Same. Sometimes I'm unable to do that just given like the hundreds of records that I listen to mm-hmm. every year to try to keep up with new releases. Yeah. And then I feel like, well, whatever score I gave it is essentially just like a note to self. Like, did I like it or not? Sure. Okay. Yep. Come end of year time, uh, what I want to do is pick 10 albums that kind of represented the year Hmm. in totality. Yeah. Not necessarily ones that represent my personal music taste. Yeah. I mean, they do. They're all going to be stuff I like. Yeah. But I'm going to try to pull in all like the poles of stuff I like, not just like, you know, I really loved post-punk this year. I always fucking love post-punk. And I happen to rank all the post-punk records this year super highly. So here are 10 post-punk records. Oh, sure. Like I'm going to try really hard to give it more variety Mm -hmm. and challenge myself. But like, well, I don't know what most people do, but I'm guessing it's not that. I'm guessing it's more, well, these just are the records I played the most this year and enjoyed the most this year. I think that that was kind of, you know, I mean, like you had mentioned, we both listen to so much music yeah throughout the year and so for me part of it was like which albums did i listen to without having to like make a mental note to like listen to it multiple times yeah. or did i listen to multiple times you know completely of my own volition yeah um but my other criteria is whether or not i feel like an album is going to get the recognition that it deserves you know like for example like the portraits of tracy record that not a lot of people still really know about her no. or no. that record, which is like, it's, it's an, an incredible, incredible record. <laughs> like it's just, it's so, you know, like if, if the things behind it, like if more people had known about that record, it probably would have been bigger. I agree. You know? And so for me, it's like, I just, I want to make sure that like, even though it's just like little old me that I'm giving records like that a little bit of yeah. shine strictly based on, you know, what I, what I know the artist's effort is and a very apparent creative process behind yeah. the work, you know, I'm like, it's a shame that yeah. nobody heard this record this year. So let's get I the was like, name out you know, there even a little. I do tend to kind of like go for music that's not as um, popular, yeah. you know, but the but my reasoning isn't just because like I'm a gatekeeper and I just want to listen to stuff <laughs> that nobody listens to. It's like I'm really looking for things that I that yeah. so good that it's like, well, I wish more people did know about this because they would love it, you know? I mean, I think there's a huge demand for that. Like we should all do more of that instead of just regurgitating yeah. the same. Like I get we're still operating within like this indie music space. And I keep thinking that yeah. the stuff I'm talking about is actually very popular. But in the end it kind it's of isn't the, it yeah i mean in the bigger picture compared to like bad bunny or something maybe exactly not, but but yeah i don't know i don't know what i want to say anymore about that i mean it's exhausting <laughs> like it's so much it's 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 all kind of like a the ranking and listing and categorizing of mm-hmm. The stuff we just like enjoy listening to is yeah. a ridiculous exercise. Yeah, in so many ways. I, yeah, and you've mentioned that you've mentioned that a few times, and I think I'm always on the fence about this because I think that there's like times that it can go wrong, and there are times that it can actually be helpful and okay. Because it's kind of like you were saying, you know, if you find a reviewer who has the same taste as you, yes, then yes. that can be like a really good resource. Yes for finding things, you know, but then on the other hand, it's like, there's a, there's a line, I guess, 
to to allow allow a critic to dictate whether or not something is good or bad is stupid. Yeah. You know, like the, nobody has the authority to dictate whether or not something is good to people and people should be encouraged to kind of like make their own decisions about what's good. Absolutely. Give things a chance if they want to, you know, but on the other hand, it's like, but if you have somebody who is doing the work to have a, have a valid critique of other aspects of, <laughs> of music, you know, and, and share what they think is good, then that is good, you know, cause then it's like, well, what the hell are we doing here? Oh, uh, you know, just like I literally just like told Foo Fighters to quit their job and now they will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And now everybody's going to tell them to quit their job and then right. they won't have a choice. Yeah. That's how it works. That's how that works. Yeah. I mean, we are just here to help people sift through the absolutely massive amounts of music that comes yeah. out constantly in an endless yeah. stream. I personally like as much as I think it's good that we have so many different places that we can find stuff and that, you know, no, we're not just dependent on like Rolling Stone or Pitchfork or mm. I don't know, MTV, which like RIP, <laughs> you know, that we're not dependent on those things. I, there's a part of me that does feel like um, there's too much content. There now. is. Because I just want to be able to spend more time with, with my favorite records in a year, you know, like I, I know. I don't know. <laughs> you know what I mean? I know. I That's the other thing that, that I actually like about this, the end of years, because there is that lull. Mm -hmm. Like I actually get to kind of <laughs> sit in silence yeah. or not silence, but like go back to listening to old stuff. Like oh, I feel completely. like I never get to fucking listen to just <laughs> older records. Yeah. It gets overwhelming. Like I miss listening to stuff that didn't come out this oh, year. Oh, yeah. Totally. <laughs> Sometimes I feel a little trapped, like this hobby yeah. of mine. <laughs> what have I done? I, I'm trying to find a good balance between the two, you know, because I think like, I think that you and I both have history and nostalgia like at our disposal and and how we do things. Yeah. Um. But since I started like making content on TikTok, I have feel more pressure to keep up with like newer records for me because I'm I've been such a lone wolf for so long. For me, it's good, but I do I do feel overwhelmed a lot. Yeah, um, it's overwhelming, and <laughs> I get why everyone else is overwhelmed. And I but friend, that doesn't mean that we can just like be boomers that say that everything new is bad. Oh my god! It, you know? Yeah, no, that is that is such a weird take. Like that's such a weird conclusion yeah. to draw from that. Completely, I get why it's overwhelming and why you'd want like a curator to hold your mm -hmm. hand through it. I, so I had a I have a friend. I think I think this was um, David who hosts the. Um, other mm -hmm. podcasts I do, Quarantine the Past, who was like, if you think about it, if you're even just thinking about like the history of rock and roll, like we are 40-ish years mm -hmm. old and even 20 years ago, think about how old rock and roll is. Like if it, if we're arguably it started in about 1950 yeah. and in the 90s, mm -hmm. you know, mid 90s, yeah. if it was like 45 years old. Yeah, I know. And now it is essentially 30 yeah. years older. Jesus Christ. Now it is 75 years old. Think about how much, like, it hasn't quite doubled its lifespan, but like, come on, like, kind of almost. Mm -hmm. 
think of how much more shit there is to sift through than when we were kids. That's true. Like that's wild. Yeah. And that's one genre. Right. Think about like hip hop just turned 50. Think that has doubled Mm -hmm. its lifespan since we were kids. Yeah. There was comparatively essentially nothing to catch up on. Like if you wanted to learn all of hip hop in the 90s, it'd be a lot of work, but you could. Oh, yeah. No, you definitely could. Now, forget it. Fuck off. Right. Hmm. That's a good point. I hadn't thought about it that way. Yeah. Like I, when he brought that up, I was like, oh, my fucking God. Like, no wonder people are overwhelmed. Yeah. I mean, well, the other thing is that there there was a much higher barrier of entry back then, too. Yeah. You know, like it it was harder to make a record. It was harder to produce actual physical merchandise to get things out to people. You really did have to be. Let's just say, you know, nobody come at me with pitchforks, but you had to be, quote unquote, good enough to be on on a label, which is obviously it is subjective, but like you had to have something that made you seem like a good investment for a record label. Right. Rather than just like putting stuff on streaming yourself. Right. And that, I mean, and so that cut a lot of people's access to at least putting things in front of people's faces, you know, because like there was a whole machine that was like controlling that to to different degrees when we were growing up. But not just that, right? Like I was thinking the exact opposite, but that's such a good point. Mm. So not only what you're saying Mm. about how uh, creating music was much, there was a a harder barrier to entry for that, Mm. but consuming it too, like accessing, like you had to, you had to like go to the record store and you had to go to the record store. You had to know what you wanted to get and like go to the store and buy it and bring it home Uh and put it in the machine that played the thing. Jesus uh-huh. Christ, I wasn't even thinking about you that. Weren't, right. And I wasn't thinking about the creation of it, but mm-hmm. both together, right? I mean, even by the time we got, you know, Napster, yeah. that was still like, all right, one song at a time, baby. Totally. Right. Yeah, one song at so, a time. And it was like a lot of, it was still the popular music. It wasn't just like everybody like it is now. Yep. yep. It was like the things that people like knew they wanted from watching MTV. Exactly. So both creating music and consuming music was way more difficult, lower amounts, and way Mm -hmm. more intentional. Yeah. Maybe not intentional in the creation of it. That's kind of Mm -hmm. the wrong word to place Sure, I I know what you mean. But But definitely in the consumption of it, Mm -hmm. flip the record. I mean, yeah, okay, vinyl is back in a big, big way. Yeah. but regardless, like, but the people you who, went who to, buy vinyl are still streaming. A lot of them, exactly. Or at it's least not if, their only option to get yeah. vinyl. And even by the time we had CDs, you know, cassettes and CDs, and mm-hmm. you know, even early MP3s and stuff like that, like it was still so intentional. Like making a mixtape now is right. meaningless. Gosh darn it. <laughs> That's no way to tell your crush you like them. It's just such a waste of time now, Gabby. Like I know, I know. Just hit shuffle on (laughs) whatever playlist Spotify gives you. Whatever. That's not the rant I want to go on. No, but it's um, (laughs) this is like a conversation for another time. This is not a conversation for right now. Yeah, well, it's a lot of tangents. It does bring me to 
some thoughts that I've been having about just the optics of how people have been feeling about like recent Spotify changes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's like, I don't want to get too granular with talking about this stuff, but like all of these things are related. They're interrelated in just how overwhelming it is for the listener, how overwhelming it is for artists to feel like they have to continue to like churn out content constantly yeah. to stay in people's minds, you know, which that just like wasn't the case, you know, 30 years ago. Yeah. Where you had, you did have more time and you were fed the same music video like over and over and over again for months. Yeah. It's just, it's overwhelming. It is. From all ends. I think something has got to shift just for the overall kind of like efficiency right. and listener satisfaction. I think something does have to change. You know, it's not, we can like yep. postulate on that another time though. Yeah. Yeah. This is a lot, obviously it's leading us down a lot of paths, which is great yeah. and fodder for next time, times, many times. Yeah. I think what we should do is pull together mm. our end of year lists, yeah. throw them into the show notes, Yes. link a little playlist. Right. Which we have and, started. Which we have started. And by the time the world is listening to this episode will exist mm. and, and let people listen to thanks to you really <laughs> not me <laughs> listen to some stuff they potentially haven't heard before yeah cool so shall cool. we wrap it up and yeah did we did we talk about anything did we say we didn't anything? talk about anything we absolutely said nothing okay cool all but right as long as as long as we both know that yeah we I said nothing sure that that we both knew that we actually didn't say anything yeah. This time. <laughs> no, we said absolutely nothing. We bored everyone to tears, but awesome. there's going to be a playlist. So yeah, there, yeah, the playlist will be banger. Yeah, banger after banger. And, yeah. you know, keep uh, paying attention to us because what we have to say is important. Yeah. Very important. Even when we're cool. not saying anything. And I think we're going to take a couple of weeks off mm -hmm. for the we're holidays. Take a holiday break. And then next time we're definitely going to say stuff yeah well for sure stuff. yeah like it's we'll, you know it's yeah. not our fault that these that these things are not real it's like, yeah how exactly. are we supposed to say stuff when like none of this stuff is even real and it doesn't matter so oh, cool. all right so we'll talk to you in the new year okay talk to you in the new year wait is that the end that's the end sally it's time to say goodbye oh but gabby i'm bad at goodbyes that's not true besides we'll be back when? I don't know. Eventually. Like in two weeks. What if the teacups need to talk to us? Then they can write to us at teacupdemagogues at gmail.com. Or we could give them your phone number. Nope. So nope. Nope. Six, six, nope. six, four, nope. 20, 69. <laughs>